On today's show, we talk to a woman who wants to know how to tell her story about her troubled marriage and the healing that's taken place. We talk to a woman who wants to take the family to Disney World, and one kid is not going to let that happen. And we talk to a woman who's a trauma nurse with three small kids, and she's exhausted. Stay tuned. What up, what up? This is John with a Dr. John Deloney show. Why are we yelling? Because I'm excited. Dude, the pre-sale for Own Your Past, Change Your Future, this new book is just running and gunning. I'm, I can't even tell you. What it, man. Okay, I can tell you. We're going to have two confessions today. Confession number one is writing a book is the most nervous I've ever been, like professionally. Because there's nowhere to hide. I told stories in this book that I've never told anybody. And you put all your thoughts on how you interpret the research and the literature and all this stuff. And I can't even tell you how grateful I am. How many people have stepped up and bought it? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. RamseySolutions.com or JohnDeloney.com. You can get a copy of this. I'm also super grateful for BetterHelp.com. They stepped up a free month of counseling. So you finish this book and think, all right, I got some stuff I got to work on. I got some conversations I need to have. I don't know where to go. They stepped up. They got behind this thing, and we've got to hand you a phone number. You have a month of free counseling to go talk to somebody. Super excited about that. So, hey, johndeloney.com, check out and grab this new book, and it will be hitting, I think it comes out, comes out in April, uh, but pre-sale is going on right now. And, James, you called me out on this the other day when we were recording the audio book, and... I, so here's the thing, the wax of the gummy bears, I'm just saying this because I'm an addict, right? It's like, no, man, no, like cocaine's good. The wax of the gummy bears helps my throat when we're just reading for hours and hours and hours. And there's a section in the book where we're talking about food and what our food system is, our food choices and all that stuff. And James says, isn't it kind of weird that you're talking about this while you're mainlining gummy bears? And I thought, James, you're super right. Like, even if it helps my throat, I got I to gotta take even more ownership of my body and my mind and all that. And then Alex showed up today. So this is confession number two. Dude, it is Girl Scout cookie season, and I have been, <laughs> man, I bet my glucose is 1,000 right now, my blood glucose. These are so good. Hey, we'll take those off your hands and bring them in here. Listen. Yeah, if you want to put those three mints, put those thin mints in here. I'll hold them for you. There's never been a live fist fight on YouTube. I bet. There probably has been a million of them, but not in this studio, dude. Samoas. Oh man! If you're just listening to this, I'm holding a box of thin mints that's mostly gone, and a remaining unopened boxes of Samoas. But I've already crushed the. Oh man! Like I, I, I think I need to call somebody. I've got. I'm going to go to the callers. Let's go to Alicia in Spearfish, South Dakota. Hey, Alicia, what's up? Hey, Dr. John, how are you? I'm, hey, I'm almost in a diabetic coma after how many Thin Mints <laughs> I've eaten today, but I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, I'm good. A little nervous. I'm super excited to be talking to you today. Hey, listen, <laughs> 100% chance you're better at this than I am, so you have nothing to be nervous about. I'm nervous. So how can I help? What's up? Yeah, okay, so... Um, I have been married for 10 years 
And in 2019, my husband came forward and admitted to a sexual addiction that had been going on our entire relationship. And um, through a lot of intensive therapy and um, just a lot of other counseling, we have an amazing marriage right now. We just, um, he's my best friend and, um, my safe person. And we've done a lot of hard work to get there. But, um, right now we are, um, thinking about getting our story out there more publicly, like through our church and, um, all of our close friends and family know, but we, feel like we should tell our children before this gets out. We live in a fairly small community and we would hate for them to find out by someone else. And so when, when and how is the best way to go about telling them our story? Sounds like this is a remarkable story of bravery and honesty and redemptions. That's you. Alicia are incredible. Um, so walk me all the way to the, to the beginning here. Um, so y'all dated for a while, I'm assuming, and then you were married for 10 years. I hear a lot of the phrase sexual addiction. And uh-huh. it usually isn't, but sometimes it is. What When you say sexual addiction, walk me through, what was your husband experiencing? Or what was he doing? Sure. Yeah, um, it started out with pornography mm-hmm. and then strip clubs, then shady massage parlors, and then up to prostitution. Okay. And was this interfering with your finances? He was sneaking around. I mean, this became a way of life. Yes, I had no clue. Um, And yeah, he spent a fair amount of money on it. It, I did not notice it um, just because it, in the realm of our income, it didn't make a huge dense, but, um, a few thousand dollars worth, um, between that 10 year, Hmm. well, probably five year span, I would say. So walk me through, he sits down and and unpacks this for you. Tell me about that day. Um, he came forward, uh, to me saying that he was struggling with a pornography addiction and, Again, I was blindsided. I was really hurt by that. And after a few days of processing, I had a few questions about that. And at the, I had about, not all, probably 10 questions to ask him regarding the pornography. And then at the end, I said, I know this is a ridiculous question, but I just, I have to know, have you ever cheated on me? And I mean, we were watching the office. It was a Friday night and I was not expecting the answer (laughs) that I got. And wow. um, What a a moment to ask a shapeshifter question, right? (laughs) Yes. Like I said, I was not expecting, I was expecting to be reassured Mm. and it just all came crashing down. And um, unfortunately my oldest daughter at the time heard me freaking out and um my husband tried to like calm her down and send her back down to her room to go to bed and 
But it was, our pastor came over and one of my best friends came over to help be with us in that moment. But yeah, it was very traumatic. It's a traumatizing time, yeah. And so what has happened over the last couple of years to help heal you, your marriage? I mean, 10 years of of dishonesty and betrayal is a long time. What has happened in the last two years to have you speaking so highly of him? Well, I was, he had been pretty emotionally disconnected our whole marriage, Mm -hmm. which makes sense now. But, um, so when he told me this, I was ready to file for a divorce and, you know, I, I couldn't get an attorney to call me back. So I agreed to go to counseling with him because he really wanted to make it work. Mm. And so, yes, did like a few weeks of intensive therapy in a different state. And, and, you know, he never once um, blamed me. He Mm. took full and complete ownership. And I just saw so many tears from him and um, he let me yell and scream and he just would say, I know you deserve so much better. And he um, just put a lot of things in place. He's been in several accountability groups and, um, and he actually set up consequences for himself when he would, um, if he were to even say a white lie, he would sleep on the floor at night and or drink a cup of pureed broccoli because that was something he wanted to fix in himself. So he was very determined to sober up and um, the way he's been with our children has just been incredible. I'm so can I ask you can I ask you a, a, a deeply personal question? Sure. Um, and you may have heard me talk about this on this show. One of the most common things I hear from folks who are in a relationship where there's cheating is that the rage and the anger and the mistrust and all that. But deeper than that, more painful than that, or more, maybe not more painful, but more disorienting than that is that I shared a bed with a guy for 10 years and I missed it. I didn't know. And it, I, I'm crazy. Like, I feel crazy. How in the world do you miss your husband with prostitutes and with, you know, massage parlor trips? And how did I miss thousands of dollars, right? And you start backtracking it. It's, it's almost like uh, watching Fight Club for the first time and you realize, oh, I missed the whole movie, all right? Or uh, The Sixth <laughs> Sense or something, right? So uh, how did you feel? Or are you just, are you good? If you are, you, you, you need to bottle that up and sell it because that's incredible. Well, I still struggle with that whenever I get a little uncomfortable with a situation. If he has to go out of town overnight somewhere, Uh, um, I, I, yeah, I do still struggle with that, but, um, not, it gets so much easier as more trust is built. Okay. There you go. And he, yeah, he's just been very open and honest with, yeah, whatever I need to look at, he's willing to give it to me. Awesome. 
So he's, 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 he's doing his best to live a transparent life, which lets you breathe a little bit, right? Yes. It's awesome. All right. So here's a, how old are your kids? I have a seven, four and nine month old. Okay. So tell me about this decision to be public with this story. What are y'all thinking? Yeah, I, uh, my eyes have just been open to how big of a problem this is. And, um, and I've had friendships who have had struggling marriages with, um, husbands who have gone outside the marriage Mm -hmm. and I just want to be able to provide a sense of hope that um, it can work out if you make it, if you put in the work for it. Sure. So Um, my my rule of thumb, and this is going to be different, um, and again, I'm not basing this on any research that I've read, so I want to be clear, this is coming just from me. My rule of thumb is, is however long a thing went on is how long you wait until you start telling that story publicly. And here's, here's, okay. a, couple, here's a couple things to think through. It's, generally, it's with folks who struggle with drug abuse or folks who struggle with financial issues that the moment they get clean for any, any period of time, they want to go tell everybody about it. And what I've seen over and over and over again, and this isn't your story, so don't hear me talk about it into your story. And I'll, I'll give you some context for, I think, for your situation specifically, is you can end up taking people with you the second time. If you have a relapse, if something goes wrong, if something gets off the tracks. And I want to see people be whole and well before they start. So for me, I was buried with anxiety. I was buried with nonsense. I didn't treat people right. And it was a decade ago. And now I'm becoming, I'm talking about it publicly. Now I'm writing books about it. Now I'm speaking about it because I've got a decade's worth of healing underneath me. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. And when the attacks come, when people write me and say, you're full of crap, you misinterpreted this research. I think what you're saying is nonsense. And I've had some prominent people in the country really challenge me on some stuff. We got toe to toe. And on some hard stuff, right? And I've had equal support too. So it's not like it's just raining. But if I hadn't had this long of healing, if I wasn't this secure in what I think and what I know, and I didn't spend this much time in the research and the literature, all that, those things would decimate me and inadvertently send me right back to where I was. Now, it may not Mm -hmm. be a sexual addiction, like in your case, but addiction will find its way out in other places. It may even be, and this is going to sound crazy, addiction to transparency. Anything that I'm holding on to as a crutch to get through a hard season or a boring season or a tiring season ends up being an addiction. That doesn't mean you guys wait 10 years, okay? Here's what I think you guys can do. We had a, we regularly, my wife and I, almost... Oh, I mean, gosh, sometimes every week. Um, this past weekend, had a couple from out of state working on some stuff, working through some stuff, um, came and stayed with us, thinking through some things. 
that happens all the time. And the, um, the work that my wife, especially, she's just so gifted at it, but that we do behind closed doors with people that nobody ever, ever knows that ends up being legacy shifting or shape shifting. And it's not that we're doing all the work, but we're providing space and some encouragement and some wisdom and some walk alongside. Yep. Did that too. I've been there too. Um, that it doesn't need to be spoken publicly. If you are a resource and a caring person, caring couple in that way, man, you will find yourself inundated with people who want to talk to you behind closed doors. How your friend showed up for you in the middle of the night, you could do that for 10 years and no one would ever know on Instagram that you're doing this and you are saving Mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of marriages just by your presence, just by your willingness to speak. And eventually that becomes, hey, I'd like you to come talk to my group. Like whatever, I went and spoke to a Celebrate Recovery group. I'm gonna go talk to a church group. I'm gonna, whatever that is. Hey, would you come talk to our group? Or at work, hey, we'd love for you to talk about this. But there's a way to lean into this without, I wish I had another way to say it, without getting famous for it, okay? Yeah. It's so easy to to jump from the crazy story to we should write a book. Uh, Mm -hmm. Here's a simple example in my house. My son, when he was born, my wife was a, um, she was a nationally recognized researcher when it came to child literacy, um, teaching teachers how to teach kids how to read. She was a savant. And then my little boy comes along and I have a PhD in higher education. I've spent a lot of time in student development and childhood development. That's just what I did. That's what she did. Our son was incredible. Temperament wise, um, attitude wise. He just was a great, easy kid. He was really articulate. He could speak well. He could read at a young age. And there came a moment when he was, I don't know, four or five. I'll never forget the arrogance. What a moron I was. And I looked at my wife and said, I think every other parent is an idiot. This isn't hard if you are incredible and brilliant like the two of us. And she probably rolled her eyes, but I didn't pay attention because I was too arrogant back then. And I said, we need to quit our jobs and get on the road and write a book about how to be a great parents. And then we had my daughter, same parents, same, same geniuses, just a totally different human. And my daughter's incredible and she is a human hurricane in all the best ways. We have no business writing, <laughs> writing books on this right now, right? And so I tell you that to tell you this, I would slow down. You're talking the healing here is three years, two years in a little bit of time for a decade or 12 or 15 years of betrayal, that's still relatively raw. When it comes to talking with your kids, seven, four, and, you know, obviously not the nine-month-old, seven and four, that's real young to sit down and say, hey, moms, mommy and daddy are going to go talk about all the stuff we did or all the stuff that happened to us and what daddy did. And um, maybe your seven-year-old could have a a context there, but it would have to be very high level, very age appropriate. Um, No seven-year-old is going to understand massage parlors or prostitutes Mm -hmm. or um, they would understand daddy made some really big mistakes and it hurt mommy a lot. And now daddy's... um, changed and he has really grown hard and mommy has forgiven him. And when y'all do have that conversation, you're holding hands, you're seeing each other, you're smiling. And because as soon as you talk about that fracture, that kid's body is going to go into fight or flight. Oh no. 
right? And sure, so yeah. I'd be very, very careful and very slow, age appropriate, introducing that stuff. What happens a lot in this situation is parents want to absolve themselves of what they're carrying around and the kids are not strong enough to carry it. So don't tell them because you feel like we just got to be honest with everybody, bro. Like they can't handle it. It's too heavy, right? As they get older yeah. and they make you have high school kids. Now you're talking, you can sit down and have some harder conversations, maybe even middle school again, but we're talking very age appropriate. When I would actually sit down and say, hey, son or daughter, I got to talk to you about some stuff I did when you were, before you were born. Um, I mean, you're talking junior, senior in high school, maybe even later, maybe in college. Like, I got some stories I got to tell you. Um, here's what kind of jerk I was, and here's how sick I was for a season. Um, that makes sense. I feel like I'm bursting your bubble here, and I know you guys have a heart of gold and want to help other people. Um, I, I, what I really want is I want you all to be wise, and I care way more about your marriage right now and your three little ones, then I do a story or a book that can be written. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. I totally respect that. And, um, I guess I'm, it's more about when to tell the kids who I'm afraid if we don't, if like, if we wait until they're in high school or college age, are they going to be really mad that we kept this from them? No, and I mean, feel what, even more. What would it, what, betrayed? no, what does it gain them? If you lie to them, yes. If one of them ever asks you in middle school when they get cheated on the first time, you don't even know what this is like. You've, this never happened to you, has it? And then you can say, oh, honey, I got a story to tell you. Mm, right? If you okay. lie to your kids, that's where resentment comes from. Choosing not to burden your kids with 10 years of infidelity and 10 years of prostitutes and massage parlors— that's big time. When your husband and you sit down to have a, the, the talk about pornography, which I've had both of my kids now, six and 12, right? When y'all have that conversation, you could talk about, hey, there's some hard things. Uh, but there's stuff I'm not talking to my son about yet. And I'm real, real open with him. He's not there yet. He's not there yet. And so one day we'll get there. One day we'll have some harder conversations or some deeper conversations. I'll tell him about some of our friends that he knows and loves, some of our community members and family members that he knows and loves. But right now I'm, t I'm more focused on telling him the truth than I am lying to him. Does okay. that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. In a, in a radically honest house like you have now, don't let that, don't, don't hand your kids bricks of truth that they're not strong enough to carry yet. Okay. Is that I fair? Can easily, yeah, I can definitely do that. I don't, I don't want to burden them with, with that if it's not going to help them. Can so, I tell you this? Yeah. You're a great mom. Mm. Like, thank you. No, no, you just, you gave me the, mm, which is your way of dismissing things. <laughs> You're a great mom. You're a great mom. And there's a season of doubt that's still here. That's normal. It's, it'll take years to heal. And you're not crazy. And this guy won the lottery with you. Absolutely won the lottery. And outside of the, the challenges in Fidelity, the way you talk about him sounds like you won the lottery with him too. And I definitely did. So y'all are going to continue to grow and heal together. And you're going to create something masterful that will bless a bunch of people. I want to see you bless people behind closed doors for a season, quietly, through relationship, over the over a kitchen table with meals. Nobody ever knows, in and out. And get good at that. Get honest with that. 
continue your healing journey with yourself and with your husband. And man, then the, the book will come one day. The big story and the big reveal, that will happen one day. I would just let that play itself out a little bit longer. We'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Be honest. How often do you find yourself pausing in the middle of a day and it feels like there is so much going on? And you find yourself wondering, what would I do with just a spare hour or 30 minutes? Can you even imagine? And it's in these moments that we often realize we're living someone else's life. Everyone else's schedules, priorities, and emergencies are driving our lives, and we can't keep carrying this load for everyone and everything. And it's in these moments when it feels like too much or when you need some help parsing through all the chaos that talking to a professional therapist can be a game changer. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you have with boundaries, time, commitments, and your own self-worth. And that can be in relationships with your friends, people at work, your significant other, or even how you can make and keep commitments with yourself. Therapy can be amazing for figuring out what even makes you happy anymore and how to go make it happen. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. Because therapy isn't just for people who've experienced trauma. It's great for building skills so you can be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is completely online, so it's flexible enough to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we are back. Let's go to Casey in Raleigh, North Carolina. What's up, Casey? Hi, Dr. John. How are you? I'm so good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I love your show so much. Happy to talk to you today. Yes. Hoping you can help me a little bit. <laughs> I don't know about that, but thank you for loving the show. That makes me happy. Yeah. Well, so it's going to start out sounding very um, uh, trivial, but we'll get into it a little bit. <laughs> so we currently have um, a Disney trip planned for May, um, which we've had to rebook two times because of COVID, but um, we're really excited, except for I'm also extremely terrified because of my son, my um, oldest son. Um, I'm really nervous that he's going to kind of ruin our trip. Um, I know this sounds horrible. Not at all. Not at all. Talk to me about what's going on. Um, so every time that we've taken him on a trip, um, you know, we go into it with, with really high hopes and good expectations, kind of trying to lay the groundwork. Um, but he is very controlling and when he's not in control of situations, he can become very defiant and kind of downright mean, uh, extremely volatile and just very hard for him to regulate his feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, how old is he? A lot. He's almost nine. So he'll be nine, um, in April of this year. So, um, and I just feel like the whole family is always kind of walking on eggshells with him and, like constantly trying to navigate situations so we don't trigger him. And, um, you know, so I just constantly feel like I'm trying to unravel a puzzle of like his heart and mind. And 
I don't know how (laughs) a lot of times. Sorry if I'm getting a little emotional. No, it's hard. Yeah. And his sister, um, who is, she just turned six. She is the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. She is so go with the flow. She's easygoing. But I also kind of, you know, look at her sometimes and I see her when he goes into this, these, you know, heightened, deregulated emotional places that she just kind of, kind of goes into a shell a little bit or disassociates a little bit Mm -hmm. and just kind of like goes into her own little world where she's almost very unresponsive and he's so responsive, you know? Tell me about your, tell me about the, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Tell me about, (laughs) tell me about home life. Is there chaos in home? I mean, I don't want to say yes, but I mean... If it's not, say no. If it is, say yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that it's chaos. It's just busy. It, there's a, we're, we're very busy. My husband and I, we both work um, quite a bit. Um, you know, we, we always have something going on. I, I wouldn't say it's chaotic. It's just... I feel like we're constantly trying to... Um, not discipline him, but like regulate him daily. And it's, it's actually kind of put a strain on the entire family. Um, so what I would, over time, what you've described to me is both with him and with your daughter are two, two response systems to the same issue. Uh-huh. And I'll simplify it here, but you've, you, we've got a fight flight or freeze or fawn response system. When things get chaotic, when our bodies feel out of control or unsafe. And for a kid, a lack of connection is unsafe. A lack of really firm boundaries. I know where I'm anchored in here. Their Mm -hmm. body says, sound the alarms. We're not safe. Things aren't okay. A marriage of two parents who are not on the same page or who are running and gunning, who are chaotic, who have things going on behind closed doors— that tells a childhood body, you are not safe. And this, I must have control, this unregu- this dysregulated, um, I will get, oh, I will find a way for you to see me. Mm-hmm. Is, a, is a biological response. It's off, it's rarely, a, in fact, I, I struggle with even character issue for an eight-year-old. This is his mm-hmm. body taking over. And then you got a daughter who knows, I'm going to disappear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna right. to vanish. Same, and then you're talking about the freeze response, right? Um, and if you have a third kid that may nuzzle up to you, and that might be the fawn response. That's their way. I'm going to get super close to my, the person who I'm terrified of or the situation I'm terrified of, and I'm going to love them through this. And if I'm really close and I'm in love, then they won't, I won't, they won't hurt me. I won't be hurt. It feels something environmental going on here. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that may be for a different phone call, but— what I, this is one of the, the curses. I mean, I, I just wrote a book about this, almost this exact thing. There's a couple of chapters about this very thing, which is we have just kept running faster and faster and faster. And we've, without even meaning to, created a world that our bodies cannot exist in. And then we bring kids into it. And th- man, we throw diagnosis at them. We throw... Uh, behavior plans at them. We throw school punishment at them. We throw all kind of stuff at them. And if we distill it way down, 
their behavior is a language. And what they're telling us is, I'm not, I don't feel safe. Wow. And it's, it's heartbreaking. It, it, I mean, it is. It, trust me. I've been there too. I've been there too. Does that ring a bell with you or am I out to lunch? And feel free to say you're nuts. No, I mean, it does ring a bell with me. However, you know, we have, I feel like, and, and, but maybe it's just because I'm trying to figure out, a, like you said, a diagnosis in a way, because he's like an angel at school. Like anyone outside of our immediate family and maybe my grandparents and like sister and mm-hmm. sisters, like nobody else would know anything like this about so, him. So what does he get at school? Structure? firm structure, very, very clear boundaries. A teacher shows up every single day with the same routine. Yeah. There's no race to this, and then we're going to go to that, and then, hey, everybody's got to get up. Because we all know. We just go when the bell tells us. Or we all go. It's it's 11, 10. We all stand up. We go to the line, and we stand there. So school is a highly structured, safe place. And I don't say safe place like in the woke, you know, getting in a box so nobody can say mean things. Safe, safe physiologically, biologically for his body. Right. And the adults are slow. They talk quiet. They look you in the eyes. They get down on your level. You hear what I'm saying? It's, the, it's these yeah. tiny behaviors. And I'm telling you this not to guilt. There's, nobody wins with a guilt trip. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Right. It was a shapeshifter moment when I realized the way I was doing life was contributing to the chaos of other people's lives around me. And I right. wept. It was hard. I had to grieve it because I didn't mean to be doing that. I thought I was getting everybody amped up and we're going, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, man, we're going to slide into the end of my life with no tread left on the tires. We're doing it all, working it all. And I realized I was, uh, I, I was like being married to a taser. Everybody, mm-hmm. right? And so I tell you that, that, that's a separate question you even called me. I, yep. How's your marriage? And I'll just be totally honest. Y'all good? Mm-hmm. No. Okay, there you go. And that's, yeah. that may I be mean, a, a third separate. Yeah. We'll just make you a regular right. on the show. <laughs> <laughs> right, I could use that actually, uh, probably. But like, I, I've picked up some of the things from your show that I've been trying to do, like the physical touch, yep. you know, like making sure, and, and we've been to a lot of like, play therapy and sure. like relational therapy types of things to try to like, you know, figure this out a little bit. And, you know, he loves like, you know, we'll go to bed before we go to bed at night, we like make a pizza on his back, mm. which is so random, but like he, it, it yeah. calms him, That's you know, right. it's the touch. And then like the thing that you've said about putting the hand on the back of the neck mm. and 30 second hug, we've yeah. really been trying to do that too. But what other ways can like, I mean, obviously it's a big question, but like, how can we start making him feel more safe and secure without just like both quitting our jobs (laughs) tomorrow? You know, (laughs) two things. Number one, and I'm just putting this out there. One of you may have to take a reduced load or do something different that might come to it. First and foremost, when somebody calls me and says, Hey, I need a book about anxiety for my kid. Or what is your recommendation for childhood anxiety? The first thing I say is fix your marriage. And not one person has ever come back when they asked me that question and said, dude, my marriage is great. It's perfect. Why? Now, I'm not saying that um, that there's a one-to-one causal relationship here. The correlation in my experience is very, very high. And so the greatest gift 
Because here's the thing, when you're in a marriage that's rocky, that's messy, that's even, even if it's not rocky or messy, and you're laying in bed at night next to somebody that you love and you feel totally alone, and I know you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. When you feel that, your body becomes dysregulated. What you have is you've got years of maturity, you've got professional responsibilities, and you've got muscle that you can gut it out. But a kid's body absorbs every second of that. And so if you've got two adults living in a house who are co-managers, but they are not, they are not intimate, and that both sexually and psychologically and spiritually, if they're not on the same page, the kids absorb that tension. They absorb it. And so when somebody says, hey, how do I help my kids got anxiety? The kids really anxious all the time. They're running. I always tell, fix your marriage. Go see somebody today because your kids are going to anchor into that. And a, a good marriage at home, there's some great studies on kid happiness in third world countries where there's deep poverty, but parents are connected. And the kids are anchored in so tight to that thing. And then they can swing down and act like kids and be maniacal and go through kids stuff and fall and break their arms and fail and screw up because, man, I am tethered into something really tight. But then you come over here, man, we got all the money in the world, but we're, we're like I say, we're co-managing our houses. We are not in intimate relationships with our spouses anymore. And the kids are just free falling. And I, I absolutely 1000% know, because I've been there, how hard this is to hear. I know it. Yeah. When it comes to the Disney World thing, this is a, a was a shapeshifter moment for me, um, sitting down with a child psychologist, child counselor that I just love and have high, high respect for. And she put a lot of time and energy into mentoring me. Um, two important things. We, number one, we always, as a parents, we get this picture in our head of what a family or our family is supposed to and or gonna do. And then come hell or high water, we make sure this freaking thing happens. And the second thing is, is we tell our kids what they are going to love. I just did this the other day. We had a foot of snow here in Nashville. And I told my daughter, you are going to love me shoving you down one of our hills in a thing. Just trust me. She hated every second of it. And I should have listened to her. Right? Now, there's those times you need to push them and say, right? So that's what I'm talking about. When I take my, my daughter, let's say, let's say, hey, we're going to go to a movie. And 10 minutes in, she says, I, I, I don't feel good. Can we go somewhere else? My temp- temptation is to say, no, I paid for this movie. We're watching this movie. What she's really trying to tell me in her limited words is I'm dysregulated. This is too much stimulation. I'm overwhelmed. I'd really like to just go walk around a park with you. And I should have gone to the park in the first place. I'm the one that was like, no, you should do the movie too. So I would tell you, if you can't, if your family unit, and that includes all of your kids, if going to Disney World, going to Disneyland is not going to be a net benefit, don't go. Don't go. Don't, don't torture each other to, just to say we went to Disneyland or so that y'all can post about it or tell your friends or it's a status. Don't do it. If you and your husband want to go, go by yourselves and don't even tell your kids. Just go. But there's a picture in your head, and now it's been worse because it's been canceled twice. Stupid right. COVID. This is I. I don't give a crap. This vacation is happening, kids. We're <laughs> right, and I get I get that. If your eight year old is going to be miserable and your daughter's going to have fun until she's not, don't go. Go camping at a K. You know what we did last for vacation last year? We went to a KOA. 
It cost us like $28. And my kids are still talking about that vacation. And I felt like a sham of a husband and a dad. I felt so lame. And now, dude, I'm all I'm KOA all day. I'm going to get KOA tattooed on my chest. <laughs> it's so awesome, right? Not really. Right. But yeah. it was so lo-fi, so chill, and it was incredible because we did the vacation that our family needed, not the one that was going to get me a claim with my friends and community and that I had in the back of my head. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they've been saying they want to go for the past two years. Oh, what kid doesn't want to go? Of course. Of course. And my kids also tell me that they would love, love, love ice cream for dinner. True. And they all, I also know, no, you don't. Because you're going to wake up tomorrow, you're going to feel terrible. And you're not going to sleep tonight. And you're going to be miserable at school. And then you're going to get in trouble. And, and, and. So I, there's part of that parent is parent. And child was, it was discernment, right? But I get that. No kid is going to be like, I don't want to go to Disneyland. Are you crazy? No, no kid will say that. But they will fight and claw and scream and throw fits and feel unsafe. I would love for y'all to go, man. I'd love for my family to go. Um, we're saving up to go someday. I would love to. Um, but man, I, I got to make sure everybody's involved. Will you heal your marriage or will you at least lean into that? Yeah, I want, I want that for you. I want that for your husband. I want that for your whole family squad, man. You're super worth it. For real. And have you taken him to get tested, your son? Oh, yeah, lots of them. Lots, okay. <laughs> and you're, yeah. I, I hear this all the time. You've got all the diagnosis in the world, all the whatever plans and all the this is and that. There's a core issue here. My guess is, yeah. and again, you and I are talking for 10 minutes on the radio. My guess is, um, or on the podcast here, my guess is... There's a chaos in the family system somewhere. Maybe you just sit down with your husband tonight and say, hey, I talked to this guy. I talked to a coach today. Like Things feel off the rail. Like we are running so fast. I miss you. Hey, what happened? We got to own what happened. And man, can we just start telling each other the truth? I'm not okay. And we're not okay. And I don't think that you're okay. Y'all start there. And so often... The kid stuff begins to take care of itself when mom and dad are super locked in. We'll be right back. It seems like everybody's talking about how crazy the housing market is right now and how powerless homebuyers feel. Mix that with the stress of moving and life change and job change, and you've got a tornado of anxiety fueling one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. This is not a good idea. So if you're a new home buyer right now, my advice to you is to focus on what you can control, like the people you choose to help you in the home buying process. You need folks like my friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a Ramsey trusted provider that's been helping people with their home mortgages for decades. And their home buyer edge program will help you skip a bunch of the stress. Here's how it works. Apply to become a Churchill certified home buyer and cap your interest rate for 90 days. Then you'll get a $5,000 seller guarantee to help your offer stand out. So go ahead, take a deep breath because Churchill has your back. Check them out at churchillmortgage.com slash Deloney and get the home buyer edge today. All right, we are back and come on, Eileen in Omaha. What's up, Eileen? Not much. How are you? Super good. How about you? I'm all right. Uh-oh. Um, what happened? Yeah. Well, actually, that phone call right before kind of hit close to home. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, my question to you, I guess, is kind of how do I get my marriage and family life back on track? Oh, man. What happened? Joy. Well, 
I guess kind of a little bit of background. I'm 26. My husband's 27. We got married pretty young, 21, 22. So we're going on five years here. Um, I've got three kids. We've got one that just turned four, a two-year-old and a three-month-old. I'm a trauma nurse. I work full-time. My husband is a subcontractor, has his own business. Um, And we've kind of been really working hard the last five years. We've paid off my schooling. We've just finished building our home. Um, and we have a decent marriage, but things just don't seem to slow down for us. Mm. I feel like we're both just so exhausted at all times and we just can't get on track. Yeah. Man, I'm so, I'm so hard. And I hear that little, I hear that little baby in the background. It's all good. Trust. I got, I got two myself. It's all good. Um, you got, you got three small kids or two? I've got three, a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a three-month-old. There you go. Three, oh my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> a couple of things. Number one, you've been married five years. Did y'all date for a couple of years before that? No, it was like from the time we met to getting engaged to getting married, it was like a year and a half. Wow. That a, wait, hey, quick. way to go, moving quick. I love it. Um, okay, so you are in what I call the window. Five to seven years is a window. Seven to 10 years is a window. And then that 15 to 18 years is a window. Mm-hmm. And it's a window where you are running and gunning. This is the one y'all are in. Running and gunning. You married somebody. Then there's a lot of new variables like jobs and work and school. And I don't know, three kids ages four and, and under, right? So you throw all these things in there. And here's what happens. We stop liking who we become. Yeah. And that reflects how we, that, that impacts how we then interact with other people. Most importantly, the person that we love and commit our life mm-hmm. to. And so these are seasons when marriages start to have cracks in them and people start to get exhausted and they start to lean this way and that way, right? And it's often people will blame their partner in this deal that's usually not it. Usually, mm-hmm. I don't like who I've become. I don't like how I look. I don't like how I feel. I don't like, I used to be fun and spunky and I just want to go to bed every night at 4.45 p.m., right? Um, oh, yeah. All those things, right? So, tell me about Eileen. You sound like an a, a incredible woman. Why are you struggling with Eileen? Uh, honestly, I can't even figure that out myself. I feel like before I was really energetic, mm-hmm. really outgoing. I was a people person. I come from a bigger family. I'm one of seven, the second of seven. And my husband is one of nine. Oh, so y'all so just get from, started. Yeah. <laughs> we come from large families and it just feels like we're almost like used to this chaos uh-huh. in a way. But now that we've got work and we have a farm and we've got the kids and we both work full time, it's like even things such as date night, there's such a burden. <laughs> and I've like tried to do the whole thing. You know, I've listened to your show where it's like schedule it on the calendar. And sometimes I'll do that and we're just there and I'm like, well, do you want to be intimate? He's like, do you want to be intimate? I'm like, no, I'm te- me too. And he's like, let's go to sleep. Wait, the three-month-old is up. The toddler's back in our room. And yep. it's like, I just feel so burnt out and I don't even know who I am. I put on like 70 pounds with the three kids. Uh I started going to the gym, but even going to the gym, it's like I constantly have all these things I need to get done Mm. that my mind, it just never turns off. And I feel like I'm not being a good mom. I'm not being a good wife. 
I hate, I always loved being a nurse till maybe the last two years. I hate doing that, but I don't know what I like. Yeah. You know? And so I don't, I don't even know, I guess, who I am anymore. There you go. And my spouse is great. He's always, you know, if he's always encouraging me to go out and to kind of do things for myself. And when I am just completely burnt out, he takes over. When he's really exhausted, I try to, you know, cover for him. But it's just like we can never be in a good space at the same time almost. Wow. Thank you for articulating that. You're awesome. Um, Have you heard me talk about bricks? In the Mm -hmm. backpack? All right. So this was an important moment for me in me getting well years ago. Okay? Um, You can have trauma as a kid. You can be the big car wreck. And we think of the word trauma. You know this. You're a trauma nurse. Mm -hmm. Like, man, people, (laughs) I've been in trauma units with some regularity for a season. It's stunning the things that people find themselves wound up in, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Literally wound up in things sometimes, right? So mm-hmm. we 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 know of trauma as the big thing. They got COVID and two weeks later they were dead. They got hit by a car. He was cheating on her for 15 years and she didn't know it and he had another family. We, we know of big T trauma. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of trauma, we are all born with a backpack. And some of us were born into families that were the only African-American family in the neighborhood. That's trauma. That's hard, right? When mm-hmm. you look around and see nobody looks like you. Families who are born into abuse, family who's born into this is just the way we do things, the wrong religion, the wrong, whatever the thing is. So people are launched into the world with cinder blocks in their backpack. Some of us have none. Some of us have several. And over mm-hmm. time in our life, they, we, we collect these bricks over time. And then I ran into my friend, um, Dr. Lynn Jennings. She is a, she researches secondary traumatic stress. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was. And the, the, there's a whole backstory to it. It's an extraordinary thing. And it gave me so much insight into my own physiology, my own body. When you live and work and walk alongside people who are hurting for your job, when you go into the fire to help others, It's vicarious trauma. It weighs on you too. And it might not be a cinder block, but it might be pebbles or it might be medium-sized or tennis ball-sized rocks that go in your backpack day after day, patient after patient, moment after moment, hard conversation with family after hard conversation with another family. And over time, in short order, if you're a trauma nurse, that weight in your backpack is the exact same of somebody who grew up in a big-time traumatized household. And you're carrying that around. And then you got, so just picture yourself with this huge backpack full of rocks. Because every day you're putting in, um, you're taking care of people, right? You're intubating people. You're jabbing them with all kinds of whatever things you're putting in their arms and bags. Whatever you're Mm -hmm. doing there as a trauma nurse, right? Sewing people up, holding people together, right? Mm -hmm. And then you walk out with this backpack full of bricks on and you're like, well, I got to go be sexy tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't happening. Oh, and by the way, I got a three-month-old that my body is still a a machine slash jungle gym. And I got to get done with that. I got to get done with work so that this guy can then get all handsy, right? I mean, at some point, what you have to do is you got to deal with the trauma. Whether it's Mm -hmm. secondary trauma, whether it's real trauma, whether it's a combination of both. Most of us have a combination of both. And I can't tell you 
how, hopefully you can hear it in my voice, mm-hmm. how lighter I walk through my life now that I got, came up with, like, I got a system for dealing with these secondary trauma, that I got a system for dealing with the big bricks, and I got a system for dealing with them when they show up time after time. And some of that's meeting with a counselor. Some of that's, you've heard me talking about my daily gratitude practice and journaling practice and exercise mm-hmm. practice and taking care of my body. Those things, practices in and of themselves, I don't think work if they aren't tethered to somebody who has a strong sense of, I'm okay with me. And right now you're not okay with you. But I need you to hear me say, it's because you're exhausted because you're carrying around all these bricks. And if you can set those down, Holy smokes. Then you walk into the bedroom and you're like, I'm not so tired anymore. You can go dancing with your friends. You're not so exhausted anymore. Your head doesn't hurt. Your back doesn't hurt. There's remarkable stories. There's a great book by Paul Conti about trauma that folks will drop 50 pounds after several months of trauma counseling. Um, Just letting their body process this stuff and then they're able to move on. And their body quits holding on to whatever that pathology is. Um, so how do I practically start, I mean, doing that, I guess? It's a great question. All right, here we go. The first thing is I want you to grab a book. Um, it's called Trauma Stewardship. Anybody working in as a trauma nurse should have a copy of this book. When I did a practicum working with, traumatized and sexually abused kids, my practicum advisor, Dr. Gomez, gave me this book and said, you cannot work with these kids until you read this book. I made it to chapter seven and I had to put it down. And I called him and said, I made it to seven, man. I'm really struggling with this book. It was hitting home hard. And he laughed and he goes, wow, man, I'm only to chapter nine, right? It's a hard book and it is critical, okay? In that book, there's several practices. I will give you a few too. In fact, I want you to hang on the line. Um, I'm going to give you a copy of my brand new book, Own Your Past, Change Your Future. It's exactly what this is, okay? Okay. Um, It's not going to come out until April, but um, I'm going to put you on the list to give you a copy of it, okay? Uh, As part of a pre-order. And here's another thing. Um, It comes with a free month of counseling from BetterHelp, okay? Do you have a counselor in your area? I I wouldn't know. Okay. <laughs> I think, Here, okay. Oh, we should. I mean, I just haven't, I guess, taken okay. the time to. You do, I promise. Um, <laughs> all of this starts with this. I want you to say these words out loud. I am worth being well. I am worth being well. If you're not well, your kids can't be, your husband's not going to be, the people you care for are not going to be. And... When you're a brand new mom of three bananas, beautiful, wonderful, maniacal, fun kids, and you're also loving and taking care of people every day and trying to keep a farm up, and you're proud and you're in love with a guy who's also keeping his business running full speed, you go to the bottom of that list. And somehow we picked up this awful narrative that everybody else needs to be taken care of before we do. And I need you to begin to say, nope, I've got to come first for a season. I've got to make sure that my oxygen mask is on first before I try to put it on my kids. What does that practically mean? That means that you go to bed and you and your husband work out some sort of schedule with the kids. That may mean you got to get one of those little pump machines. You may already have one and husband's got to wake up a couple nights a week. That may mean that you're going to cut back on your hours and y'all are going to slow down on your wealth building for the next few years um, and create an environment where you can get some, your body can get some rest. 
or maybe you transfer out of trauma and you move to another unit. That mm-hmm. may mean that you're going to journal every day and you're going to talk about, I miss my old, old Eileen and who is new Eileen becoming? Who is she going to be? And you do go to the gym and you do say, I'm going to be a good steward of my body. I'm worth feeling good. So I'm going to put mostly good stuff in my body unless Girl Scout cookies are out. And let's be honest, then we're all just going to go, <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to crush them, right? Um, yeah. I've got a trauma guide, trauma 101 guide. You can go to johndeloney.com and go through that. But I want you to begin to write down on a piece of paper, what does Eileen need to be well? What does well mean for me? Is it sleep? Is it connection? I'm telling you right now, just listen to your story. You need, need, need to connect with a counselor. And mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a free month of counseling with BetterHelp. That's, that's online counseling. If you have a counselor in your community, I'd love for you to start there as well. Okay? Okay. Um, and this is not um, you sacrificing your kid's time, your husband's time. This is you being well. And your husband deserves to be well too. Um, what are you both working so hard for? I, I don't know. I, I honestly think it's kind of that idea of we have a picture of what life should look like. I came from a family that was quite well off. Mm-hmm. He, on the other hand, did not. And I think he's trying to, I noticed that like my husband, he tends to give the kids a lot of gifts. He yeah. constantly buys them things and we're financially well off. And for me, I guess as a child, I grew up having a lot of things. So yeah. I just, don't care for them as much as he does. He puts a lot of value on those things. So you're running, um, you're running to something and he's running away from something. Yeah. And here's what I want you to do. Both of you stop running, stop running. And so you've listened to the show enough to know that I'm going to tell you, y'all need to get out. You've got three kids, clear the deck. Great. Your parents are awesome. Awesome. That was fun. It was fun growing up and being rich and we had a good time. And his parents didn't have a lot. They loved him clearly. He's great at loving you and those kids. Awesome. What do we want our one wild, crazy, Looney Tune, reckless filled love life to look like? Just us two and our three little kids and probably the other nine we're going to add later on. Right. I don't know about that. What do we want? To, this is ours. It's nobody else's. Right. Y'all get to paint the picture. And this, Eileen, should be exciting and mm-hmm. fun. And oh my gosh, let's walk together towards a thing, not run from something. Yeah. Let's hold hands and walk to a cool thing. And we're going to take 50 years to get there. And then we're going to be, we're going to die. Right. We're going to be dead. It's going to be exciting. Hopefully I'll make it longer than that. But, and, and, that's where this thing ends up. Let's reverse engineer that. What do we need to do right now? You know what we need to do right now? I'm going to work less. We're going to make less money. I'm going to be home more. I'm going to sleep more. I'm going to be intentional. Or I'm going to keep going trauma nurse and husband. Man, we're going to hire somebody for this farm. We're going to slow things down a little bit. We have to. We got to. Because we're worth it. I'm worth it. You're worth it. Let's back this thing down a little bit. And that may not be the solution, but... It's an option. And when both of you are running and gunning and flying and going and going, it just feels like, hey, this train can't stop. And what I want you to do is it can. It absolutely can. And it all starts with you're worth being well. And now let's reverse engineer. What does well mean? What does well mean? What does it look like? What are the behaviors we need to do? What are the thoughts we have to do? All of it. Let's go to johndeloney.com. Check out the Trauma 101 Guide. 
We're going to get you hooked up with this book. This book will walk you through it start to finish. I have a feeling this, this book was written for you, Eileen. It was written for you. Man. And let me say, I'm so grateful for you. You are awesome. Great mom, great wife, great trauma nurse. I know you're exhausted. I know you're cooked. I know you're fried. I know your body has had it. Whew. It's time for healing. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. Hey, as we wrap up today's show, don't forget, Own Your Past, Change Your Future. The new book is in pre-sale right now. So grateful for everybody for their support. Uh, please go pick it up. Get free month of counseling with betterhelp.com. Today's song of the day, John Mayer lyrics, Stop This Train. And it goes like this. Nope, I'm not colorblind. I know the world is black and white. Try to keep an open mind, but I just can't sleep on this tonight. Stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I know I can't, but honestly, won't someone stop this train? Don't know how else to say it. Don't want to see my parents go one generation's length away from fighting life out on my own. Stop this train. I want to get off and I want to go home again. Listen, everybody, you can stop the train and just go home. You're worth being well. We'll see you soon.